Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. It's Friday morning and we are here for another episode where we are going to learn to earn. Today, folks, you know, sometimes we say good things about realtors. You all know that I'm a realtor. Sometimes we're honest about realtors and we talk about a lot of the shortcomings of realtors. And a lot of our audience are licensed agents and we want to help them help us as investors. We want to take those agents and we want to get them into investing. After all, you're already in real estate you might as well go ahead and get started as an investor, take it to the next level. Today, I've got a very, very, very special guest. And you know, I don't take guests on the show very often because I'm very picky about who comes on the show, what information is brought to you. I want to make sure that it's packed with value. Today is going to blow your mind. I've got Pat Hyben with me. He is the host of the Real Estate Rockstars podcast, which is a podcast to help underachieving real estate agents become bigger, better agents and wealth builders. Now, Pat is also a billion dollar. Now, I didn't say million. I said billion. That's with a B, a billion dollar real estate agent who has over 6,000 home sales under his belt. He's ranked as the number one agent worldwide for Remax and now Keller Williams. He's also the author of Six Steps to Seven Figures. Hopefully, we'll talk about that today. And a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. Guys, here's the deal. You know, I've had authors on the show from time to time, but ask, ask yourself this question. Have you ever heard this before from any of the authors? During the first week of the book launch, he went number six on the New York Times bestseller list, number two on USA Today's bestseller list, number one on Barnes & Noble, and number two on Amazon. Underachiever, Pat Hyben. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tyler. Good to be here, man. <laughs> Boy, you're slacking. Only 6,000. You couldn't do 7,000? <laughs> yeah, wow. I'm glad to have you here. You know, we talked about this a little bit, actually, before we hit record, but I was raised by a realtor. My mom's been in the business for, I don't know, 40 years. We're at that point to where it's time for her to retire. Really, it's time. It's okay. You can retire. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. There should be an expiration date and a non-renewal. No, I'm just kidding. I love my mom. but. um you come from the Floyd, Floyd Wickman series. Now, those of you listening, some of you may not know what Floyd Wickman is, but Floyd Wickman put out a program called Sweat Hogs. And I know, Pat, for you, that changed your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was the, that was the bridge for me, you know, that, uh, that everything changed after I took Sweat Hogs. It was the direction because most brokers and office managers, you know, are great at teaching their agents how not to lose their license. Right. Don't right. don't steal people's escrow money and don't discriminate in any way, <laughs> shape or form. 
but they they suck at, at, at training them how to sell more houses. Like what specifically to say to close the deal. And Floyd Wickman was the first one to introduce that sort of brilliance to me that said, Pat, go in there and say, you know, are you ready to sign the contract? <laughs> right? No one had ever taught me that before. And it, it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, get, just get in there and get it done. You don't no tap dancing and getting around, you know, beating around. Yeah. The right. Right. Happen. Yeah. Pick up the it's, phone now. I remember from that training, pick up the phone now. Right. <laughs> it's almost like managers and, and team leaders and people are afraid that uh, they're so afraid of lawsuits or disgruntled clients that they don't teach their agents the aggressive sales type skills. You know what I mean? They're, oh, they're, you know, so they, they refrain from that stuff. That's, that's at least how I felt. Well, yeah. And you're right. I mean, the, the here's the, the misconception folks is that I know a lot of you, you, you call into the show or you email me and you ask me, should I get my license before I start investing in real estate? Is that going to give me a leg up? Is it going to hurt me? Whatever. As you're not going to getting your license as far as the license training, just like you said, Pat, it's there to keep you out of realtor jail. If there was such a place, it's to teach you how not to do things like steal. Well, mom and dad should have taught you that when you were a little kid. So you're going to get that, how not to steal from people, how to play, play by the rules, you know, and that's about it. That's, that's all you're going to get out of your license training. You're not going to get uh, next level. You're not going to learn how to write a contract. You're not going to learn how to, how to close. You're not going to learn how to learn how to get a listing or do marketing. None of that's going to come, but moving past that. And we were just talking about this a little bit before we got started is Gino Wickman, who is Floyd Wickman's son, Gino Wickman just released a book a couple of years ago called Traction. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not read that book, you need to read that book. It's all about building a business the right way in real estate. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you're a realtor or an investor, it's a business. Let's be realistic. It's, it shouldn't be a hobby. That's what gets us in hot water. That's what makes us go broke. It's a business. You need to think about it like a business. Now, Pat, you talk about underachieving agents. Uh, what happened? Somewhere there's a disconnect. What happened from the good old sweat hog days? I mean, I remember as a kid, my mom going to sweat hogs and then I went into it early on. This is back in, I want to say like 99 or 2000 when, when I went through a, a version of it. What do you think has happened? There's a big gap now. Oh man, I don't know if it's a cultural thing. I, you know, I always felt like there's a disconnect of real estate agents who don't treat their job like a job. And I think it really boils down to, uh, you know, accountability. You know, why is it that, you know, most of the world, and I was having this conversation just this morning with my personal trainer, and that was, why is it that most of the world can only be held accountable by one person and one person only, and that's their boss, right? So they, they don't go to the gym, they don't work out, they don't eat right, but then they get to work and they're massively accountable for eight hours. They'll do whatever it takes, right, during that eight hours. And then they're massively unaccountable until the next day at that same time. You know what I mean? Like they're, God, yeah. they're just not doing what they should be doing to build wealth, to be healthy, to have good relationships, whatever. And I think that that's the brilliance that Floyd Wickman had with the sweat dogs. It was just this massive accountability that didn't end. It was like, if you didn't do your homework, and this is, I'm not making this up, and I think we're too politically correct of a society today, but I don't know if this was in your, in your class, I'm sure it was in your mom's, but 
Floyd Woodman said, if, here's your homework. You're going to call this many people. You're going to say this many things. And you're going to keep going until you get an appointment. And if you did it, you actually had to wear a hat, a dunce cap, yeah. right? It looked like something out of yeah. Burger King. <laughs> and on it, it said, no, but I will. I'll never forget that. Matter of fact, I still have that damn hat. It said, no, but I will. So in today's society, how many women do you think are going to put on a, a freaking hat for not doing their homework? It says, no, but I will. They'll probably quit the class. You know what I mean? But, but it worked, right? For me, it worked. It was like, I ain't wearing that hat, you know? And I didn't care. I was 22 years old. But, but, um, but, but that's the thing. Most people cannot be accountable, I believe, uh, in their own lives other than at their one job, at their job. Am I making any sense with this line of thinking? Yeah, absolutely. And, you're, and to further that, people now pay other people to hold them accountable. I right, know. yeah. 30 years ago, the coach was on the ball field. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing against coaching. I mean, coaching is a great thing and, and has a lot of value. I, I truly believe that. It actually today, I think, has a hundred times more value than it did five years ago because it seems like on your line of accountability, people become less and less accountable as time goes on. We exist in a society where everybody's a victim. Right. It's not my fault I'm, I'm poor. Right, right. <laughs> the, the, I guess the big difference is that, right, we, you have to pay out of your pocket for a coach where a boss is actually paying you. So it's, it's kind of the carrot and a stick, right? The boss could fire you. Right. Right. You know, when you get a coach, you're paying the coach. The coach is sort of on your payroll. So only the greatest coach will be like, dude, you suck. You're fired. I don't right. want your money. Most of them are going to keep taking your money and just be like, okay, it's okay if you didn't do it, you know, but Floyd was like, if you don't do it, you got to wear this stupid hat. And then someone would be like, I'm not wearing that hat. And they'd be like, well then leave. Exactly. You, you can't get your money back. <laughs> right. Exactly. We have a thing where, um, you know, we're in an age where I, I do some marketing for a friend of mine, Larry Harbold, who does uh, real estate education for investors. And we have people now that, you know, it's this, this generation that we're in, they like to go copy the materials and then give them to their buddy instead of going and buying the materials. They just, they bootleg them, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, everything's bootlegged. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he's got this program where you can, you take his course once you can come back and repeat the course as many times as you want for free. But we've had a couple of people lately that have broken the, the, the circle of trust, so to speak, and have copied the course materials. And the response is, Larry's old school. He's 70 years old. He's like, well, good. Hey, you're forever free. It's canceled. And they actually have the audacity to say, you can't do that. Oh, really? <laughs> you just stole from me, admitted it. <laughs> and you're telling me I can't do anything about it? Really? You're a victim? Oh, my goodness. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Everything is bootleg now. It's crazy. It's, uh, it you know, my kids were watching that. Um, and they're, they're, I have daughters. They're not in the, you know, freaking boxing and stuff. But, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, Pacquiao-Merriweather fight was on and and uh, somehow it came up in the conversation. They were like, yeah, it was, it was in like four or five rooms in the dorms. And I was like, well, wait a minute, how do college kids afford it? Isn't it like, you know, you can only get it at a bar, and if you get it, it's like 300 bucks and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. You know, every floor had it bootlegged on their computer. They said there were the, the, the letters underneath were Asian letters or Chinese letters, but we watched the whole fight. 
Love it. <laughs> like, what? You know, bootleg from China. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, everything's rip-offable now. It's just funny. It is. I mean, the yeah. era has changed, Pat. I think you would agree. I grew up in an era where being a realtor was a thing of respect. It was a badge of honor. I mean, my mother was a Century 21 agent, so the gold coat meant something. Yeah. Everybody was running around sporting their gold coat. It was like the PGA tour or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've got the jacket. Here's something funny, Tyler. When I, when I, uh, you know, became a realtor, I actually did not. Uh, the first three companies I interviewed with wouldn't take me. Really? Yeah. This was 1987, and they were like, "We don't take new agents." You wow. Know? I mean, it used to be like, a, like if your kid graduates college today and you go to go where you say, I want to work for Lake Mason or Merrill Lynch, right? Ever, I think that you probably got a one in a hundred chance that they're going to put you, you know, not hire you. They're going to be like, eh, you don't have a book of business. Go start for some schmuck um, uh, financial planning company and come back after you get a book or whatever, right? They're right. just not going to hire uh, unless you've got like massive connections and, can prove yourself, but that's how real estate was back in the late eighties and night and early nineties was, you know, you, you had to apply to be an agent. Now there's so many agents that, uh, you know, if you want to go to X, Y, Z company, they're going to take, you, right. You're going to go to a company. They're not going to say, no, uh, you're not, you're new. <laughs> you know, we don't take new agents or we don't take part-time agents or we don't take, you know, agents that don't, reach this level of criteria that, you know, that doesn't what, exist. What do you think has changed the public's perception? I mean, cause that's, that's kind of where I was going into the next question was the public's perception of realtors have, has changed. I know people that actually hide the fact that they're realtors. <laughs> they're, they're, I seriously, they're like, don't tell anybody I'm a realtor. Why? What does it matter? Right, well, right. I don't want to be judged like in a room of investors. They're like, don't tell them I'm a realtor. They know I'm a realtor. I'm one of them. <laughs> What's the big deal? Why is there an us and them thing? But what do you think, in your opinion, and you spent a lot of time around on realtors and the general public, what has changed the public's perception? Is it any one thing that you can think about or is it just become too easy to be an agent? Is that really what it comes yeah, down to? Yeah, that's kind of what I think you answered it there. Yeah, it's just become too easy. There's too many of them. Um, it's always been easy, right? That, that was why I got into it. I got a the degree in sociology with a 2.3 overall GPA, you know, I couldn't really get a good job and I got into it because it was path at least, you know, barrier to entry was low, even though people were turning me down. I eventually got a company actually that specialized in new and part-time agents. That was their, that's what they were known for. 95% of the company was part-time, but I think that the barrier to entry has been low and it's even lower now with all this being able to do everything online and, right. and it's just too many of them. Sort of like Amway or multi-level marketing in a sense that, you know what I mean? It's like everybody becomes a potential prospect. Uh, oh God, I have, I, I can't tell you how many people say, you know, I, I have, you know, six friends that are real estate agents. Everybody's got a license, right? Yeah, right. Everyone's got a license. Do you see that as one of today's biggest challenges? I know you spend a lot of time coaching and working with agents, or at least your, your team does. You got a pretty big team. What do you, if there was one thing, one big challenge, biggest challenge that a, an agent has these days, whether it be experienced or new, what would you say that is? Well, I know what it is. It's, it's um, propensity. There's a huge propensity in agents to become addicted to 
to working buyers instead of working listings. So if you look at the agent community and you say, you know, what do you do more of selling or listing uh, 90% are going to say selling, like working with buyers, because again, it's a barrier of entry. All you need to, to work with a buyer, right. Is a lockbox key, right? Right. Should a dog can be a listing agent and, and with a lockbox key in its mouth and wave it in front nowadays, right? Um, <laughs> wave it in front of the electronic lockbox and the key comes out. Unless you really don't need somebody to be, I mean, with all due respect, um, you know, I'm an agent, I mean, you know, my whole business is agents, but with all due respect, you really don't need someone going, uh, you know, here's the kitchen, here's the basement, you know, right. you get a brochure that tells you all that stuff and you get, you know, you've probably checked it out online. You got I mean, Zillow, you got all the, if you know more than the, the realtor really, but so, but for an agent, it's a lot easier. There's no, re, there's a lot less rejection. There's a lot less training needed. You know, you kind of can, can learn just by doing when you, when you become a listing agent or, or attempt to be a listing agent, uh, it's a much more professional, high pressure, um, rejection filled, uh, event, you know, going on a listing appointment and saying why I'm better than these other two agents. Right. And, um, it scares a lot of people off. Plus the companies, you know, Zillow, Trulia, you know, all these, uh, software companies like Boomtown, Commission Zinc, uh, basically provide agents, all these leads that they can buy realtor.com that they can buy. And, uh, it's very easy just to work through them and work with buyers where with listings, you have, you have to be very proactive. You have to, you know, call down, you have to cold call down neighborhoods and just do like the Floyd Wickman type of deal where you're just like, have you thought about selling your house now in the near future? Can I be your agent? Right. It's right. a much more aggressive thing but it's much more worthwhile because you're so much more in control so you know that therein lies a, a serious problem we have very little amount of agents that are starting day one trying to be listing agents and then you have a ton of agents trying to be buyer agents and it creates this haves and haves nots you have this you have this small percentage of agents that are like oligarchs right that 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 everybody knows in their community and they own, you know, a huge amount of listings right. and the average agent has, you know, one listing a year. Well, that's very true. That's very true. So we hear a lot of that in my market. Exactly. I hear training programs are talking about, it seems like they're pushing people to the low hanging fruit, go out and find a buyer, run all over town with the buyer, but they don't ever build a book of business, so to speak. And, and I guess a lot of the mindset is, is that, well, you get a buyer, eventually there'll be a seller. Well, yeah, but how often do the people sell their houses these days? You know, every seven years, maybe. So that's great that you sold them a house now, but you're not going to sell them anything else for quite a while. How are you going to eat next week? Right. And I've had people, you know, that listen to my show, you know, comment to me, like they, they'll even have situations where their friends or their past clients will be like, listen, we will buy a house from you, but we're going to list with X, Y, Z because, you know, they're famous and they list all the houses in my neighborhood. So they'll lose the listing, but their friend will still do them a solid and use them to buy. 
And that happens a lot. It's like, you know, given the choice, I'd rather have the listing than the buyer, you know? It seems to me that the biggest listing, I mean, we do a lot of listings and obviously not nowhere near your volume, but, and I manage a team as well, but we do well with listings because we make a big splash. I mean, we're, we're, I'm always on the microphone. I'm in front of the camera. We're out in public. Everybody knows who we are, what we do. So for the agent that's kind of wants to remain obscure or hide in the background, they're going to have a difficult time. Wouldn't you agree? As yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Forget about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well just hang it up and be done with it. You know, it, it seems, <laughs> I wish they would because we got too many, right? <laughs> it seems like everybody lately, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just I'm paying attention more because we offer, we're getting ready to offer some realtor specific training to, to help realtors understand more of the investment piece. But I'm seeing that lately, well, there's always been tons of real estate investment coaches for the last 15 years, let's say, but there hasn't been many, at least from my experience, seeing many real estate or realtor coaches outside of some of the big ones like Tom Ferry, uh, companies like yours and whatnot. What can you help the audience? Because like, a lot of people, they want a good referral on finding a coach, finding a mentor. I know the mentor is probably a little different, but any tips that you would have for the audience, people that are listening, if they're an agent or they're getting started as an agent, where to go to find it? Is there a program out there that, that it rates coaches, you yeah. know, that, that would, that would be good. Um, you know, that's a great question. Generally, if you, if you start listening to podcasts like real estate rock stars and, and there's top there, you know, I have, let's call them competitors. I probably have like eight of them that have real estate podcasts. They all offer some sort of coaching or a lot of them offer some sort of coaching. I don't, but it's, it's, it's out there and coaching kind of for agents takes on many forms. Like some coaches are like uh, Michael Mayer or Joe Stump or whatever. They're examples of people that are all about the referral business, right? How to get referrals, how to keep clients happy, how to refer, you know, it's all about repeat and referral. Um, other coaches like uh, Tim Harris and Tom Ferry and, and the Ferry family, they, they're more about the aggressive recruitment type thing recruitment and well or or you know getting listings and, and calling out the buyers and you know closing 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 they're more about the count the things that you could be held accountable to how many calls they're kind of like Floyd Worker. how many calls did you make today how many you, you know that sort of thing uh, getting new business out of thin air calling it expires calling fizzbos so, so you have to decide, you know, who you want. I know there's like corporate coaching is more about teams, right? Like, you know, they coach teams, right. uh, whole teams of people. So you got to kind of feel them out, listen to a couple of interviews. Certainly you go to hybendigital.com and you can type in coach. I've had tons of coaches on. I probably had 30 coaches on. And if you just go to, into the search bar and type in coach or somebody's name or any of that stuff, it's going to come up. Outstanding. You're linked up with Keller Williams now. Correct. Okay. And I'm a big believer in the uh, millionaire real estate agent. I've read that book several times. Actually, the company I'm an agent for, our broker, uses it. One of his training programs is kind of a guideline to help you build out your team and all that. In that book, it talks about not hiring help until you're at total max capacity. Would you agree with that mindset? Or, or? Well, you know, 
you got to determine what max capacity is and you got to determine what here's the thing real estate business is a consuming business right and it's all consuming right i mean ideally you would have a situation like i had which is you know i started when i was 21 so i was able to max capacity 80 hours a week i was able to be consumed by it right without an assistant but at the end of the day you're going to have people like i had uh, one gal on my show amanda howard who who has four kids, right? On some level, you know, you're gonna, you know, not be able to hustle uh, as much as a 20 year old with no kids, you know, if you have four kids um, or you choose not to work so hard. Um, I do think that you should be pretty busy before you hire an assistant because I'm a believer of learning something first myself and then hiring it out because when that person quits, you don't want to be an idiot. You, you know, you want to be able to catch up the slack and you also want to be able to keep them accountable and you can't keep them accountable unless you've done it yourself first. You know, I mean, it's terrible. It's kind of like, um, the, you know, back in the day, we used to have to qualify buyers ourselves, right? I used to carry around a calculator and qualify the damn buyer, right? Be like the ratios were 28, 36 or whatever, you know, income ratio. I could do it all in my calculator. It was no problem. I'd be like, you don't qualify. Oh, you qualify for FHA because you went to 41 or, or whatever it is. And I used to be able to do that as an agent. Uh, now they just call the, they, you got to call my lender, right? They're afraid of making a mistake. Yeah. So they're like, you got to call my lender and it's, it's the same thing. So do it yourself first. I, even in that, I think you'd be so much better off if you can learn how to qualify people yourself. So do it yourself first, then you can leverage it out. You certainly don't want to leverage it out from day one, but I would say maybe two or three deals a month, then start leveraging it out. And the first person you want to leverage out to is an executive assistant, basically someone that could be you that sits at a desk and can spit nails so that you can be out on the street right? and get you out of the office and have them stay in the office and someone who can be a runner, you know, they can run around and, and do all the BS because you certainly don't make any money doing $15 an hour stuff by putting up open house signs and filling up brochure boxes with brochures and all that shit. You know what I mean? You just don't, that just doesn't make any sense uh, for an agent to do after a certain amount of time. Right. I mean, and, and to me, it seems like, it's that busy work that keeps you away from people. And if you're not in front of people, right. you know, why bother? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, talking about broker's license, I didn't even ask if you're, if you're a broker or not, but there, you know, going back to the old way, the being a broker was a status symbol. I'm a broker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always laugh. And they're like, people are like, you don't have a broker's license. No, I have a broker. Why do I need a broker's license? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I am. I do have a broker's license, but I don't really use it. I am. I did use it. I have used it, but, um, as at one point I owned my own company and I was a broker, but you know, I got licensed in 1987. I got my broker's license in 1990 and it was more like you said, it was because it was almost like a graduate degree. Right. I, don't, I wouldn't be able to do it today because it was a grueling amount of work and you had to take a grueling test. And I can remember, you know, getting it and celebrating, like I got my broker's license. It was a big deal, but I really didn't use it for another 15 years or so. And I was always an associate broker. It was just something to put on the card, right. you know, 
another designation that investors can make fun of you for. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's something like, like I can go on appointments and go, I'm an associate broker. And they go, Oh, well, we're going to work with you rather than somebody else, which is, it's not true. Right. They don't right. care. Right. It's ridiculous. I, one of my business cards somewhere, it says PhD behind my name. And then in small letters, it says public high school diploma. <laughs> <laughs> some people get, I stopped using those cards because some people got really in, in, insulted, you know, getting the people that have a advanced degree. They're like, oh, that's just not right. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like the average. Yeah, that's a is tough one. That, yeah, that's, um, yeah, right. <laughs> Realtors love uh, designations. And we have, you know, at, the, at my company, Rebus University, every course comes with a designation. Um, you know, you pass the course, you get a designation and, and I, you know, it, it may help with their, their confidence level on some, on some level. Right. Um, I guess everybody likes recognition and, and designations, but at the end of the day, I think a seller, you know, wants specific things. They want um, the most money for their house and they want to sell it quick and a buyer wants specific things. They want exactly what they're looking for and they don't want you to waste time, especially investors. You know, and of course, they want you to be able to be available at any time. They let them in houses and they want you to be, you know, intelligent, like not, not to, to have some level of understanding for investment properties or, or a neighborhood or luxury homes or whatever it is you're selling. You know, um, that's probably the most important thing exactly. um, for both exactly. sides. Yeah. yeah, bring value. It's not really about the title so much. It's just bring me, bring me the value I seek. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I try to explain that to agents that that in the, in our market here, it's like, why do you guys do so much more business than I do? What is it? What's the? What are you doing differently? I bring the value. You know, I ask the people number one, why are they selling? How many listing agents do you call and say why are they selling? I have no idea. Really, you don't know how why they're selling. That's interesting. Or <laughs> here's my favorite one, Pat. Um, almost all of my listings, I put uh, the sellers are interested in offering seller financing terms because it attracts more buyers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always have done that for years. And sometimes seller financing to the seller means I'll, I'll hold a hundred dollar note for 30 years. And that's, but it's still seller financing and draws people to the front door. Yeah. Yeah. It works well, but it's, I just had it last week. An agent calls and says, calls the receptionist and says, I think that's illegal. And I'm reporting to the board. You, you can't do seller financing. That's illegal. Really? That's interesting. Seller financing is illegal. Huh. Guess they weren't around in the 80s when interest rates were, what were they, 20% back then? Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's not logical. If a seller, if somebody wants to, if I want to loan you money today, Tyler Pack and I borrowed 10 grand and I say, you know, yeah, 15%. And you're like, okay, cool. Exactly. We strike that deal. That's, you're allowed to do that in America. Last I checked, you know? Yeah. Right. So lastly, that's a great thing that we want to wrap on. Um, do you feel that agents, all agents should consider investing in real estate? It's been, there's mixed views on that. Some people feel that, you know, it's too risky for them, which shocks me if they're in real estate. How right. right. They, they should be in, in selling, you know, money market accounts rather than houses. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Be a financial planner. I yeah. Right. Two hour course. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you can be certified, make a hundred grand a year. What could go wrong? But do you see any conflicts with an agent being an investor as well? overall no that's asinine i mean that's just it's stupid i mean i think that um you know it's funny I, i'll never forget first brokerage i went to again i'm just starting out in the business 
this lady, and, and again, this was a company that was known for part-timers, right? So whatever reason, she had her license there and she fizzled her house. And the office manager said, you're going to multiple list that house or you're fired. And she didn't multiple list any fire. <laughs> and I thought, you know, damn right. I was like, what the, you know, she's a false prophet. How can you be, how can you go around and say, I'm a, I'm an agent in Fisbo, my house It's false prophecy. And I think it's the same thing, you know, with, with any real estate agent who doesn't own their own house. Now, now maybe their financial situation doesn't allow them to own it. And I'll give them that. But after a certain amount of years, you should own a house or you're a false prophet, right? You're, you're a hypocrite. And um, you're telling people to buy it. You don't even have a buy. It's hypocrisy. So the same thing, you know, I don't think you should work with investors unless you have investments yourself. Because again, you're a hypocrite, right? Do it yourself. Oh. And so many people want to get into the game, but they don't want to just invest. And I, I see this all the time. And I talk to agents all the time. And they're, they're looking for like something easy, some easy way to get into, to be like Robert Kiyosaki. Right. And, and I want to, and, and I tell them, I was like, dude, do you have a ghetto? Do you have an area where you can, you know, drive a little bit and buy a house for really cheap? I said, like, just do it. Just buy one. So you get, so you learn the ropes, you know what I mean? And, you know, buy a $30,000 row house and rent it out section eight for 400 bucks a month, but you'll learn, you know, a massive amount by doing that rather than sitting there and saying, I can't afford to, to, to do it. I mean, you will learn so much just by starting to just pull the trigger and buy things. And then you can call yourself an investor. You have an investment property. How how amazing would it be that you didn't have to like sweat and wait for closing day to come? <laughs> People, <laughs> I take my commissions whenever I can as a promissory note, um, especially when I sell investment property. I don't want the check at the closing table. I don't need the check at the closing table. I have passive income from my investments. I'm still getting paid on properties that I sold seven, eight years ago because I took my commission as a promissory note recorded against the deed. And I wish I could get more people on board with that line of thinking, but you know, I'm only one person in one network. Yeah, no, I'm all about horizontal income, you know, about having lines. I count them, you know, I have, at, at, you know, at one point I was close to 60. I had a couple of businesses I invested in that, that uh, kind of went out of business. I had a couple of things I sold last year. I think I'm down to 52 now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would take that promissory note and consider that a horizontal line. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the goal is to build as many horizontal lines as you can. You start out by building one, this Section 8 property that you bought for, you know, 30000 with a loan of 26000 And then you add lines, add lines, a set a goal to have 100 horizontal lines um, and things like promissory notes, and whatever. And, and that's how you create financial freedom in my mind. Absolutely. There's no better way to create financial freedom, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, though. Pat, before we wrap up here, what would be the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to look at uh, what you have to offer, listen to your show, things like that? Yeah, well, the show is on, uh, of course, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere. It's called Real Estate Rockstars. You can just also type in my name. You can Google me. I'm real easy to find. PatHyben.com is a website that uh, has all of my 
endeavors on it. And uh, of course, rebusuniversity.com is the name of my online sales training for real estate agents. Uh, if you go to uh, rebusuniversity.com and you use the coupon code podcast, podcast, it will give you 50% off any program you see on there. So nice. just use the, uh, the coupon code podcast. If you see, I have eight uh, sales trainings on there now, anything from how to list a house to how to build a big team. You know, there's all kinds of great stuff, all from industry experts. That's outstanding. Pat, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you're real busy and I do appreciate you taking the time to come add value to my audience. Ladies my pleasure. You know that I would not bring somebody on my show if I thought there was anything less than incredible content available on the other end of this episode. Rebus University, uh, 50% off. That's mind-blowing. That's a hell of a discount. Head on over to Pat's website. Take a look at that information. If you're thinking about becoming an agent or you already are an agent and you're one of those people that keeps blowing up my Facebook Messenger asking, wanting me to teach you how to sell houses, maybe you should head over to Pat's website and sign up for his course, get the 50% off and take your investing or take your career to the next level. Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate you coming out. If you're not a member of our Facebook group, go over to cashflowguys.com forward slash group, cashflowguys.com forward slash group. And if you have not joined our mailing list, you need to be cashflowguys.com forward slash register. Have a great week and we will catch you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.